All right. Well, we're going to start a new series today in spiritual disciplines. And, you know, we're really going to dive into this over the next 12 weeks as a church. And as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we are called Christians. And as Christians, we are disciples committed to following Jesus or being like him. So being a disciple of Jesus is choosing to live the most abundant and full life that he has set in front of us as an example. Now, some of us think that this is really reserved for pastors or theologians and scholars. We hear of spiritual disciplines. We're very intimidated by the prospect of it. It sounds kind of like shaving the top of your head, putting on a brown robe and, you know, taking a vow of silence. Um, and yes, in many cases, it's a lot of work and it does take time. Um, but this is a really common misunderstanding of what spiritual disciplines are and what their purpose is. Spiritual discipline is the formation of our hearts. And because Christian, Christianity is not about how much you know, you know, if you know big fancy words of theology, that's great. Um, how good you can be. It's not about the social activism that we do. It's about forming our hearts. And if we do not have a well-formed heart, then we will not live a well-formed life. I can't even pronounce most of these guys' names because I didn't come up with these quotes. But <laughs> Henry says that uh, <laughs> spiritual discipline is not about the steps or stages on the way to perfection. It's about the movements from the mind to the heart through prayer in its many forms that reunite us with God, each other, and our truest selves. In essence, this is about going deep. So in contrast to the values of the world, which lives very superficially of instant satisfaction, this is a call to move beyond the surface and go into the depths. God's intended this for everyday people, you, me, people with jobs. He understands we have kids. He understands that we go to school, we pay bills, but it's for everyone and it's for our daily lives. So look to your neighbor and say, this is for you. And this is for me. All right. The great thing is like that would normally, I would never put that in a sermon, but sure. Good job, John. In fact, this is best done in the midst of our relationships to each other. We, we, you know, we've gone through many series where we talk about community and, and supporting each other. Or, you know, even we went through a series on the one another's. So this is about your family, your friends, and your neighbors. Also, spiritual disciplines is not meant to be hard. It is not meant to suck all the joy out of your life. And in fact, it should become more natural and bring more joy to your life. So I want to distill any ideas in your head that this is going to be rough and make it as much a part of just your daily discipline or discipleship as possible that you will be a better disciple in doing these things than you would even by going to seminary or getting yourself well-versed in a bunch of theological perspectives that you don't need or understand. So actually, I usually find that, you know, when people get really theological, sometimes it can cause confusion. So we really need to distill this down to its simplest forms. And that's what these disciples or disciplines are going to be about.
The primary heart is one that longs for God. So in Psalms 42, we read, As a deer pants for the flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So let's pray. Lord, it is our privilege to come before you, and we have such a blessed life here in this country, in this place. Lord, it's not lost on us that all that you did to redeem us and to restore a relationship in us. And Lord, you came so that you could be that example before us. And so Lord, we, we look to you as the example for how to structure our lives, how to build these things in so that we can have the relationship with the Father that you did. And Lord, we just seek that presence of the Lord. Lord, we know that is where our, our true happiness, it's where our eternity lies. And so, Lord, we just come before you this morning. We just ask that the Holy Spirit fall in this room. Lord, we just ask that these disciplines would not be empty words that go in and out one ear and the other, but, Lord, that these are things that we could take to heart. Lord, that these are things that we would build into our daily lives bit by bit, little piece by little piece, Lord, so that we just continuously look more and more like your son. Amen. All right. So John writes notes. I usually write out my whole sermon word for word, including like where I'm supposed to break and stop and breathe and take a sip of coffee. So um, if we end up with some odd segues, well, that sounds just like John. <laughs> so... All right. Yeah, sorry. I, I love throwing him under the bus. Um, the good news is he's like at least two minutes behind us on the YouTube feed, so he can't catch this until we're already past it. So if my phone starts vibrating in my pocket, we'll know I'm in trouble. All right. So this is a journey to the heart. And this journey is going to take place in community. It's going to ultimately lead us into service. But the first task is to look within. It's to reflect on our daily lives. It's to seek God and God's activity. So ask yourself, where am I as a Christian? Do I love God more now than earlier in my life? Do I have more faith since I started on the spiritual path? Not that these relationships should be rated on a scale of growth or decline, and nor is it up to us to give it a passing or failing grade, but these are simply to ask ourselves things so that we can re-engage with God. It is simply about being, being yourself and knowing this is where I am right now with God. Leo Tolstoy observed, everyone thinks of changing humanity, but no one thinks of changing himself. When we are able to reflect in this place of where am I? And who am I? Then as a disciple, we can begin to go to the place of deep living. So where do we start? There's many places where we can start. And in this series, we're going to store, look at 12 different ways that we can use to deepen our faith. We're going to look at prayer, fasting, meditation, study, servanthood or submission, service, witness, solitude, guidance, confession, worship, and celebration. But today we're going to start in the area of prayer. 
Prayer is one of the most important spiritual disciplines. In fact, I would say it's probably the central discipline around which all of the other disciplines will touch. And one of the things you're going to see as we go through this series is that many of these disciplines are going to overlap on each other. And they're not meant to be separated. They're, they're really all meant to be used and to be used at the same time and used in different seasons so that they will overlap. But prayer is what ushers us into communion with God the Father. And this is what brings us into the deepest part of our human spirit. To pray is to change. If we want to transform, we need to pray. Why? Because when we pray, it is entering into a relationship with God. In any relationship, the more time you spend together, the more you get to know each other. Prayer is simply this. It is being in a relationship with God. I used to think that I needed to set time aside to pray, that it's this ritual you have to do at the start and end of each day. Heaven forbid you miss a meal too. Then we set aside time for personal prayer, for corporate prayer. And your prayer life revolves around this time that you set aside, which isn't wrong. We, we do need to set time aside, and, and that time is good, but it's not the full picture of what prayer is. I think it's also important to note that great relationships happen with two-way communication. Imagine a friendship where your friend just comes to you, and every time you don't get a chance to speak, but they just dump on, on you all the things you need and all the things that are going on in their life. It doesn't last very long. Why? Because we need two-way communication. Now, God is patient, and God is kind, and so he's still there hanging out. <laughs> but he wants to speak to us. And we'll get into this a bit later, but that's very important because we can't pray properly unless he tells us how to pray in the kingdom. But in Luke 11, we see the disciples come to Jesus Oh, sorry, I hit a slide and I wasn't supposed to. The disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. This is the one and only time the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something. They understood that this is one of the most important things that Jesus did. More so than healing, more so than miracles, among everything else that they saw Jesus do, they recognized that this is the thing that he made a priority. This is the thing he set aside. And how did they know that? Because he was always doing it. And it was important to him. And he made time for it. In Luke, but now even more, the report of him went abroad Great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Mark says, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Again in Luke, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. 
And there as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothes became dazzling white. Jesus had thousands of people following him, constantly asking things of him. They put so many demands on him. And yet in the busyness of all of that, he prayed. He went and he prayed. He stopped and he prayed. He made time and he prayed. So the disciples witnessing this come to Jesus in chapter 11 and they ask him, teach us to pray. I love that we can see that prayer is something we can learn. It's a learning process because how many of us come into faith and know how to pray? Our faith comes from that first prayer, that first awkward words where we're like, Lord, I need you. And I acknowledge the things that you have done for me but can we all agree that none of us, you know, immediately after that could just speak a two-hour prayer, that we could just sit there quietly on our knees, make time? It takes time. It takes practice. Never mind the fact that if you ever have to pray in a group setting, it's super intimidating. Because it's like, well, I use this word. Do they like it? I don't know if they like it. Will they know what I mean? I don't know. This is, I mean, I've, I've mentioned this before, but this is one of my favorite things about the morning prayer. Even, even the, the Thursday prayer meetings, even in your cell groups, everyone prays in a different way. Why? Because we all speak in different ways. We all have different relationships to the Lord. Our prayers change as we change. Sometimes they're very formal. Why? Because we feel like we're in that formal place with him. Other times they're very colloquial. I at times have sat there and made jokes with God and sometimes the thunder even laughs with me. <laughs> I, I, true story, as a kid, I was telling jokes and every time I told a joke, thunder hit. It was like one of the coolest and freakiest moments of my life. Because then I was like, well, I shouldn't tell jokes because like we're going to have lightning strikes everywhere. It's fire season. It's over, right? But the Lord answers in these tiny little ways and he encourages us because all he desires is for us to spend time with him. Why do we come to church? It's not to gather here as people. It's not to come up with plans and things to do for our community. Those come out of our desire to have a relationship with him and to grow in our relationship to him. So what is it about prayer that we sometimes don't like? Is it the quiet you ever sat there at a prayer meeting and no one's praying? Then you're like, oh, maybe I should say something. Nope, it's been too long. Nope, maybe it hasn't been long enough. Nope, I think I heard someone about to pray. I mean, what, what could possibly happen? Two people pray at the same time? It'd be chaos. World over. Apocalypse now. Is it the formality? Is it the slowness? Is it the fact that we have to speak and we cannot just absorb and be entertained, but we have to put something out? Does praying bring conviction and remind you of other things you should be doing? Or is it simply we just don't know what to say? We don't know how to converse with God. But this learning process disarms us because it allows us to be free in asking questions and even experiment and even fail. Did you guys know that you also can ask Jesus, Lord, teach me how to pray in your quiet moments? 
Sometimes we don't allow ourselves to fail in these things. And I want to be the person to say you can, and sometimes you will. And that's okay, because we all learn in the process in learning how to pray. I searched the Bible and I cannot find a single verse that says you have to be perfect and every prayer has to be perfect before it's answered. It's only about here. It's about our heart. It doesn't matter the words you say. It doesn't matter if you can't even find words. When your heart is in that place and your mind is set upon him and your spirit is in that place, your prayer is going up to heaven. But Jesus taught them And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, this is the the shorter version, and then we will also talk about the Matthew, which is a little bit expanded version. But Father... We get to call our God Father or Abba. And this can be a major barrier to some people because we often project our ideas of what we know as a father based on what we know on earth. But the more we get into this place of prayer, the more we really start to understand that role of a father. God begins to break down some of our projections as we learn and grow. But prayer is communal. Communal, It's a relational activity. It's us with God, together with God. It's also how we do life together with God. And it's the intimacy of a child and their parent. Now, I love to snuggle my kids. And the best part of babies and toddlers is their snuggles. They're warm, they're cuddly, they're kind of the right size. A few months ago, my wife Jessie mentioned to me a study she'd read, and that study said that toddlers, if there is a strong attachment between the child and the primary caregiver, toddlers do not actually consider themselves a separate entity than the caregiver. So in most cases, the child considers themselves a part of mom. Hence why most toddlers start to have separation anxiety at some point, right? I think most dads in this room will know that there is a time and a place where you are just useless and (laughs) they just want their mom, no matter how much candy you're trying to feed them. (laughs) But this is also why most toddlers say dada first, because they're part of the mom. They don't consider her a separate person. But what an amazing thought for us as learners in prayer to be so close to the Father that we consider ourselves a part of Him. And this is what the Father wants. Think of how He describes David, a man after my own heart. All those nights in the field where David was worshiping and praying, and I'm guessing listening, he knew the heart of the Father, and that set David up for many, many years of strong faith. Now in Matthew, it also adds to this verse, in heaven. And sometimes we think of heaven as this far off place, and therefore God is so distant from us. But heaven is also translated as sky or air. So the air that around us is also the heaven 
which also means that God is around us and we cannot escape the presence of God. So prayer is knowing that God is present. To hallow is to set apart. It's about the holiness of God. It's allowing us to come into the presence by being captivated by God, to see the beauty, the glory of God. I remember when I used to get to this part, there's a lot of shame that came because when we see the beauty and holiness of God, what shines in reflection is also the sins that are in our lives, the shame we can very easily come to a place where we say, I am not worthy. I can't come before God right now. And sometimes we stop here and we don't progress. But we need to go back to the place of he's our father and sit in that space knowing that his love pours out for us every day. His mercies come every day. Think about Again, going back to the child, you've had to discipline them. You've had to lay punishment. They're an emotional wreck. You're an emotional wreck. What's the first thing they want to do after you've just punished them? They want a hug. They don't run away and hide in shame. No, they go to the person that just disciplined them. Why? Because they want the reassurance of their love. And that is what we need to do. If we... If the enemy starts to tell you that you are in a place of shame and you can't go to the Father, do not run except towards the Father. Because when we do this, we go back to the glory and we give glory to God knowing that He is our Savior and He is the peace that fills us, that solves us. Remember when He created us, did he say it was okay? Did he say it was eh, mediocre? No, he said it was good. And the heavens echoed and said it was good. So you are good despite how much you fail. You are good because he is good. It's not by our own actions or anything we do, but it's because we're created in his image and he just pours his love out on us. Your kingdom come. Again, in Matthew, it adds, on earth as it is in heaven. I know praying can become so cliched in the church. I'm going to be praying for you. Let's just pray about it. But in the cliche, there is truth. Praying is the place where heaven and earth intersect and a place in which we get to participate in the wonders of God. That, kingdom, that God's kingdom becomes accessible. And so when we pray, we get to pray the kingdom of God into situations. The power of these cliches never struck home more than in our cell group years ago. I was looking up something for Maria Bowden in my prayer journal. And I was flipping through days trying to find a word that I'd had for them in that, that very tough season um, right after Oliver. Sorry, I can't even think about it without getting emotional. Um, and on each page, I usually just do a shorthand, my prayer topics for the day. And so usually there's a bullet point and it just said Bowdens. 
However, she saw that, and she could see it on all the days as I was flipping through, and she just started crying. And being a normal man, I asked what I'd done wrong. <laughs> she said, so many people say to you that they're praying for you, or you are in our prayers. But to see that someone actually was doing it just broke her. And if you know Maria, I'm probably the only other male other than Caleb that's ever seen her cry because <laughs> she's an extremely strong lady and that is not her normal state. But I can remember her saying, I would almost rather people just didn't say it than give me the hope that they actually are doing it if they don't plan on it. So sometimes we get to a place where we're discouraged in our prayers. We don't trust that God's going to do what God's going to do. But God still wants us to participate in his work. And we can affect things through prayer. God can change an outcome when we come to prayer. Jonah was sent to Nineveh to call the people to repent. Or God's destruction would come upon them. And when the people heard this, they fasted, they prayed, and they repented. And the outcome is that they were spared. Not that Jonah really wanted that. It's not that we're required to change God's mind. It's about us coming back to him. God is rescuing his people. He is constantly rescuing his people. And this is why Jesus came to die for all the wrong that we've done, for all the wrong that we're going to do as the sacrifice in which was needed so that we could come back to God. So when we pray, the kingdom of God has a chance to come. When we pray, we're causing a causational change to happen. We're drawing into the wonders of God, but we are also coming into the heart of God. When we pray for God's kingdom to come, we have to understand that we are also a part of that kingdom. And so when we pray, we come into this confidence in knowing that this is the heart and the will of God. How much stronger would we all pray if God told you something was going to happen? If it's assured, do you pray less because it's already going to happen or do you pray more? We want God's will to be done. But how do we walk in this? The more you know somebody, the more you know their heart, the more you are able to come in alignment with who they are. And when we pray the kingdom of God, it is going into prayer knowing what God's will is already. But this is praying and then listening. We cannot know his heart if we don't stop talking and we never listen. Personally, this is the worst part of prayer. I'm okay with talking. I'm, I'm okay with worshiping. But if you tell me to sit quietly with my own thoughts, they're just not good thoughts. <laughs> just, I'll start thinking of movies. I'll start thinking of quotes. I'll start thinking of weird things that happened in my past. I'll think of anything except what I'm trying to focus on. And that's okay, because I'm learning too. 
So give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. Sometimes we feel we're at a place where we're too busy to pray. This is probably a sign you need to pray more. The problem isn't actually about time. The problem is about distraction. That in the world we live in today, the technology that is available is actually a distraction. That we don't have space or make space. It's not about time. How many of us wake up and instead of going into prayer, we reach for our phones? I'm guilty of it too. Busyness has become a rite of passage. When was the last time someone said to you that their life was slow and boring? Or even just balanced? We're all busy. But then how many times do you hear someone say, oh, I'm so slammed, it's been so busy. And then about five minutes later in the conversation, they talk about the first four episodes of a show that they binged on Netflix. Yeah, we're always doing something like that. But that means that it's not about needing more time. It's about prioritizing small amounts of time that you already have. God gives us what we need each day to get through that day. This is the daily bread. It's interesting, we don't pray, give us our life's bread. Give us a year's supply. It's our daily bread. If we come to God asking for more patience and less anxiety, more care and less frustration, that God will give us what we need each day to get through that day, that God's provision is beyond the food that we physically need, but the resources that we emotionally need to get through each day, that daily prayer will do more for us than a four-hour prayer session once a week. Do you know what prayer does? It allows us to get to the place where we see ourselves and how desperate we are in need of a Savior. It allows us to see ourselves so that we can confess all that we've done for His grace and mercy to be upon us and to ask for forgiveness and to forgive. It also gives us hope in the darkness. Prayer leads us in a way that doesn't lead us into darkness, where things are destructive, it leads us out. So lead me, guide me. The thing that will protect you most in these moments is prayer. Why? Because when we pray, we know who our Father is. When we pray, we know the heart of God. And when we pray, no matter how little, how few words, or even just how lacking our faith is in that moment, we can come to the one that determines all things in life and know that this is who he is and therefore this is who I am as a child of God. What are your temptations? Is it pride? Is it lust? Is it vanity? Is it greed? Envy? Laziness? Indulgence? What is it that you're struggling with? Is it the church? That's a big one. I know there's a lot of chatter around things of the church these days, and the reality is that the church, the big C church, will do things that are wrong or things that you don't agree with. The leadership will likely at some point do something to make you disillusioned, and this is why we pray for our church leadership, and this is why we pray for the church, and this is why we pray into the heart of God. We need to study and we need to learn, 
It's another discipline. It's a thing that's going to take time and effort. But it's also so that we can know who God is. And we can know right from wrong, not our version of it, but his. It's also that we can come into a body of believers and when we're struggling with something, instead of trying to intellectually understand it, we can pray and pour into the God the things that we need. We can ask people to come around us and pray, either in detail or just by saying, I need help. And when you're doing these things, I promise you will know how to exist in the place. Even if it's the valley of the shadow of death, you will know how to exist in all of those struggles because he will give you everything you need for that day. That day's daily bread may be big, the next day's may be small, but it is everything we need for that moment and that time. Because we have a high priest in the person of Jesus who not only saved us, but is constantly interceding for us. But he doesn't thrive in a relationship without prayer and without communication. But through Jesus, we can go to God confident that he sees us, that he hears us, and because we know he loves us, he will respond. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. With this access, why wouldn't we pray? If you had access to a billionaire who would give you money to help you with things, would you call upon them? If you had access to a boss who could give you a promotion every time you needed it, would you call upon them? Think of our friends. When we're in trouble, we call upon them. Everyone needs that friend that they can call upon, whether it's your spouse or, or, or just even a friend. But you have access to the high priest of heaven, so why wouldn't we call upon him? In Matthew 21, it says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And I think that's the call on this church, is to be a house of prayer. Because so many of these disciplines are going to come out of prayer all the hopes and dreams and plans of this church are going to come out of prayer. One, because if we don't pray for them, we're doing things under our own steam and that is going to fail. The second thing is, how do we even know what to do unless we've talked to him and asked? So I'm going to ask you, church, to be a house of prayer. So when there is sickness, we're going to pray. When we need a building, we're going to pray. 
When someone's struggling with infertility, we're going to pray. When someone has job issues, we're going to pray. When one of the kids downstairs scratches their elbow, we're going to pray. Why? Because we need to teach them how important it is to pray as much as we need to teach ourselves how important it is to pray. So over the next 12 weeks, we're going to dive into these different disciplines, but this is a call to go deeper. And, and the deeper we want to go is going to depend on how deep we want to go into our relationship with God. If you're happy on the surface, we're going to be here and we're going to support you. But if you want to dive deep and you want to find out what God has in store for you, the things that he wants to do with you, through you, the things that he wants to change in your life, the blessings that he wants to pour out on you, then use these spiritual disciplines to get to that place. We're going to use solitude to hear his voice. We're going to use fasting to hear his voice. We're going to use prayer to hear his voice. And yes, we're also going to use prayer to put our intercession, our petitions before him. But this is a call to go deeper. Let's finish off. Lord, we just thank you that you are a God that allows us to pray, that you allow us to call out, that you allow us to petition, that you allow us to intercede for others, Lord, that you allow us to ask for things. And Lord, not only do you allow us just to do that, but you listen and you take action, Lord. So we, we come before you as a house of prayer. Lord, we, we come before you as a people that seek to hear your voice in our daily lives. Lord, to hear your voice in the decisions that we have to make each day. Lord, we seek to get to that place where every move we make, we make in you. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would set us up, Lord, that as we go through these disciplines, Lord, that you would give us the opportunities to implement them, Lord, that you would put it upon our hearts to try these things, Lord, to, to, take, them, um, to take them with understanding and then to give it application. And so, Lord, because we don't seek to be a people that know of you, we seek to be a people that know you, that call your name. Lord, we seek to be a people that when you hear your voice, we recognize it. And so, Lord, we just um, come before you this morning. We, Lord, we just ask that you teach us what it is to pray. Lord, that you teach us the words. Lord, whether we're someone that came to faith an hour ago, Lord, or someone who's been in our faith for decades, Lord, that you show us new ways to pray, new words, new understanding, new vision, Lord, of what it means to pray. Lord, that you would give us the endurance to run out this race on earth. Lord, it's a, a short time compared to the eternity that you have for us. But Lord, we just, um, we seek to be a people, Lord, that when the end time comes, Lord, you would, we would be a people that are found on our knees praying before the God that loves us and cares for us and answers us. And so, Lord, we just commit this all to you. Amen. We thank you, Pastor Alex, for just sharing the message today, Lord. In, in such an important topic of prayer, uh, you know, we all know uh, 
that we need to pray. And it's one of the things that, for me as well, I struggle in terms of just uh, putting prayer into the top priority of my life, and just setting it as a, as a as a go-to uh, when we face a situation, when we face a crisis. Uh, a lot of times, you know, I have the tendency to to try to try to fix it based on my own understanding, on my own abilities. But we we really need to stop and. And put prayer as the first first response uh, when we do have crisis, or when we uh, even not crisis, even when we have a, uh, good times, we want to remember prayer is the place where we need to go. And uh, as Pastor Alex shared, you know, prayer is also recognizing that God is present, and to recognize that we are. Uh, child of God, and we have the ability to touch Him, reach Him through our prayer. And the other point that I was really good was that, um, as Alex mentioned, that, that we are created good. Uh, we are His creation. Yes, the fall after the fall, sin enter in each of our lives, and we need the saving grace and the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. But we are created. We are created good because He is a good God, and we are His creation. So our prayer is to to claim that goodness uh, in our lives, and we want the Lord to to sanctify us, to to walk with us each day. And as as we share, we need that daily bread each day. Uh, we need that fresh. Manner, uh, we can't accumulate all things all at once. We need to encounter Him each day. So, Father, we thank you for who you are, and for thank you for for the work that you have done on the cross. That we have this access to you, Lord. We no longer has to go through a, a high priest at a temple, Lord, but we are able to reach you and touch you through prayer, Lord. Father, we thank you that uh, that you are present and you are ready to to receive us. You hear our prayer, and you, your will, willingness, and your heart is for us, Lord. As we pray pray earlier today, Lord, and during our service, we present those needs to you, Lord, and we know that you you are ready to receive and your your love for us because we have our identity in you, Lord. And Father, we thank you that you shine the light upon us. And even when we are in a situation, in circumstances, uh, whether even when we feel that we are in a dark place, Lord, Father, we have the access to pray to you that you shine your your light upon us, Lord. That you bring clarity, you bring brightness, and you lift us up, Lord. So, Father, we thank you, thank you that we have access to you through prayer, Lord, and we pray that we walk and live in your kingdom, Lord. Father, we thank you. We ask you to bless everyone here, and I'll just close with the, the, the blessing that may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord sh- make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord turn His face upon you and give you peace. Father, we claim your blessing. We appropriate your blessing in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Father, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.